up to all our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation. I thought they were going to do it again. Uh, I, you threw me off. Uh, I'm your host, Johnny Destructo. With me this week is... Hey, what's up? How's your boy? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And... No! Hey, we're going to yeah. review this week's comics, but first... We've got letters. We've got, we letters? got letters? We've, We've got, got lots, lots and lots, lots and lots, lots and lots, lots of letters! Of letters. Uh, this one is from Christopher St. Saucy. Good night. Who's that? I have no clue if this will reach you in time. All right, a little bit of backstory before I read this. I haven't read <laughs> so this dramatic. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> because we recorded at Len's place the other night, mm -hmm. um, I did not put up the show until yesterday. So he, he listened to it immediately after hitting me up a couple times about where the show is and then uh, emailed us. So <clears throat> here we go. Just posted Len... Just posted last week's episode. I like to wait here till the previous week's pod so to comment on it. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here waiting for a diner to open, so I thought I'd email you. I did indeed mean that I was spending 150 bucks in comics a month, but I cut about 25 a month out. Oh, because I had he said 150 a month, and we didn't know if that was dollars or, or comics. Or books, right. Mm -hmm. But I cut about 25 bucks out a month. I dropped Justice League and Justice League Odyssey, Superman, Action, Batman, and Superman, Supergirl, and the Terrifics. Wow. I mean, I would have kept Superman. Superman, yeah. Especially and Action. this week. Fudge it. But, but everything else. Up to this week. Yeah, yeah. It, but then everything else. Yeah, sure. Although, if he had a subscription. I don't know if he had a subscription. Does he just buy them or does he have a subscription? He usually has a subscription, right? He's yeah. got that guy that just, like, in the back of his store yeah. only gives him what he orders. His <laughs> store, which is actually just a van. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's only open when hobby, the light uh, is red. It's a hobby shop that's yeah. got, like, a one spinner rack and a pull list in the back. Why does this sound like the, the deleted scene from The Irishman? Yeah. It's real sketch. I took all of my collections of those, plus Titans and Super Sons and Detective Comics from the start of Rebirth to now, to the local half-priced bookstore and got a whopping 20 bucks for them. Yeah, I probably got screwed, but I hated the idea of them sitting there collecting dust. I'm still reading Flash, Wonder Woman, Hawkman, R Red Hood, Outlaw, Teen Titans, and Young Justice. As far as the Wonder Woman trailer goes, I was not impressed. Hmm. Pedro Pascal looks horrible as Max Lord. I'm not sure why they felt the need to use that character. I would have thought he would have been used as... I'm sorry, this is going to take me a second. Urz Cartaga, the god who gave Cheetah her powers. Mm. And Barbara Ann Minerva looks to be the stereotypical awkward girl who just needs to take her glasses off so people will realize she is hot. I'm hoping I'm wrong, and she will be much more. But right now... I'm more looking forward to Black Widow, minus that horrible-looking Taskmaster costume. All right, so there's some stuff to unpack here. Mm -hmm. um, he dropped all of those subscriptions, but the way subscriptions work is comic book stores order 
two months out. So he's probably still going to get this issue of Superman. Now, the question is, because he dropped the subscription, is he not going to pick up the remaining things that have been ordered for him previously, or is he just going to leave them on the shelf? I'm curious. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's a... If 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 what we had heard before from his local shop, and I do that with air quotes you can't hear, um, <laughs> there's no like racks to put stuff back up. I'd assume that they would keep him on the hook for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think the reasoning has ever been made in the history of comicdom that I'm going to drop Superman so that I can continue collecting and reading Hawkman or the Red Hood and the Outlaws. <laughs> I, not, yeah, hey, you, not, okay. let's not shame him for his reading. How about this? I, I would like to say that I think um, what we both find appealing, him uh-huh. versus I, is very different. Yes. Very different. Yes. But I'm glad that there are people out there who want the Hawkman book. Yeah, I, I would it's love quite to. Good. I would love I to read a good Hawkman book. I, I, you know what? I, I don't... I always follow writers more than anything else, and um, I'm... Was haven't Hitch, really isn't Hitch right yet? Well, Hitch, no, it was Venditti for a while. Yeah, yeah. and and I was not a very big fan of his during the Green Lantern run, and a bunch, I've tried his stuff a bunch of times, and it was just like meh. Um, same with Lobdell, who was doing Red Hood for a while. Like I can't care about yeah, Jason like, Todd that much. I don't much. like Lobdell very much. I don't like Lobdell. Um, yeah, it seems like he's one of the guys who just prefers the B team because it's you know, I. Get, Flash is still kind of a B character. He's not one of the main three, the Trinity. He's not um, the Trinity, but he's considered one of the. He's like number five. He's he's A two. He's B. He's A B. Yeah. 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 yeah that's good. Um, he's the top of the second tier. But uh, Pedro Pascal <laughs> does look terrible. I didn't know who that was for for a minute I there. Was cool. I kept thinking it was like, is that Nathan Fillion with some weight? Oh yeah, um, I remember you saying that. Yeah, I was like. What? Because he's got, like, the middle of his face looks very Nathan Fillion, but then there's a lot more face. Mm. Um, so uh, It's a weird look, but yeah. I think that's just to make him look 80s. Also, yeah. also I don't, I'm starting to think that maybe it's not going to be um, explicitly Max Lord as we know. Me neither. I, I was going to say, he could still very well prove to be whatever that god, god is that, that he's referencing. Yeah, because oh. as, as far as the first movie, too, they, they did a couple of bait and switches with mm-hmm. the Pantheon, and I yeah. think... I don't think they're above Although that. Although I, I like Max Lord. When he came so out I. after, I mean, part of it was he had been around for so long that when he came out as evil, I was kind of like, oh, snap. Right. And then he's got the, the brain whammy stuff that he does on you. I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of liked him. Yeah. Um, he, after after a second, he was kind of, um, after a fashion, I should say, he was very uh, formidable. It makes kind of sense if you think about it. If you just, because the one thing that I liked about the trailer is that it doesn't really give away the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you know going into it just by reading some background that you know Cheetah's showing up in there yeah. and him mentioning this, that Maxwell Lord or Pedro Pascal might be this God character and cut to the trailer where she's swinging from lightning <laughs> yeah also too he's got some sort of mystical rock uh, a big old swirl of power around him like there's the the trailer was great for me because it was all style yeah, yeah. there was very little substance which is fine mm-hmm. and I think more trailers should do that yes um, instead of walk through the plot um, I was impressed we didn't see Cheetah I don't want to see Cheetah yeah I don't want to see her at just, all just let her show up I'm okay with never seeing another trailer for this movie until yeah, it comes I'm, out. I'm, I'm That's kind of what I've done one. with a lot of films recently. Like, I'll mm. watch the first one just to wet my whistle. Mm. And then, um, like, Star Wars, I haven't seen. There's a bunch of stuff out there that I haven't even looked yeah, at. Yeah, uh, yeah, stick with. Uh, I've been. I can't go cold turkey like some other people that, like, on podcasts. It was Jeff to, like Kanata Jeff Kanata and, and Dave Chen. 
Um, but I will stick to like the officials. So like official teaser, I'll watch it. Yeah. Official trailer, two months later, I'll watch it. But when it comes to like the fifty-five TV spots and the Get six or seven yeah. clips and yeah, the, I'm that. out. Yeah. yeah. What was the one thing where he didn't even realize it was a sequel to something? He didn't even see the. Tra- oh, he didn't realize Doctor Sleep was a sequel oh, yeah. to Shining, and he was like, oh, "What?" Like <laughs> yeah. while he's watching the movie. Yeah. Anyway, oh, you know what? He also got he got played because. He saw that they were putting out a Christopher Robin movie. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he thought that was like, you know, oh, they're going to be doing like a Winnie the Pooh movie. <laughs> and you go there. It's it's not Winnie the Pooh. It actually is not a bad movie, but yeah. it's not. I like yeah, how Jeff Kanata lost the summer movie wager. Right, uh, because un- of that. Unofficial <laughs> <laughs> member of our <laughs> Yeah, look, He has no well, idea. Welcome to the Slash Film Podcast podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk. Where we review the Slash Film podcast. <laughs> Um, all right, Actually, Max. This Lord, is blah, Jeff Kanata, the podcast. Yeah, Kanata <laughs> heads, Kanata <laughs> files, Kanata fans. Oh, don't say. Are we having a Kanata sans? Could... <laughs> I'm about to oh, say. JD, JD will turn off these mics. You know, guys. <laughs> it's gonna open a shirt and reveal a Kanata face. <laughs> Uh, I'm Team Dave I'm Chen. making us all Kanata shirts. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, Dark Knight Returns, The Golden Child by Frank Miller and Raphael Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diamond has this to say. Oh my, I made the text so small. <clears throat> it's been three years since the events of Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. Lara has spent the time learning to be more human, and Carrie Kelly has been growing into her new role as Batwoman. But a terrifying evil has returned to Gotham City, and Lara and Carrie must team up to stop this growing threat. And they have a secret weapon. Young Jonathan Kent, the golden child, has a power inside of him unlike anything the world has ever seen. And I'm going to stop reading there. It keeps going. But <clears throat> I'll tell you, number one, A number one, King of New York. This book looks amazing. This, the, the, everything about the visual style of this book is wonderful, except for the text boxes. Um, <laughs> the story... Uh, is better than I thought it was going to be. I enjoyed it. It was big and kind of epic, uh, but contained within a one-shot. Mm-hmm. I like what they did with Dark Side. I thought that was kind of fun. It becomes almost like a storm, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of neat. Um, but it does suffer from every other problem that I have had with Frank Miller since uh, the last 15 years. I mean, ever since... I, even including Dark Knight 2, actually, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. the... Well, I, I echo your sentiments. Uh, but yeah, the the repetition, the mishmash of, of text boxes. I don't know who the fuck is talking mm-hmm. at any time. Also, it became. I think I'd known this for a while, but it became uh, uh, doubly more apparent comparing this with Superman Year One that he's not concerned with telling actual stories anymore. Nope. He's only concerned with showing like highlights of a better story. Mm-hmm. So like, there's. All kinds of leaps in time and logic. Like, there's no connective tissue between scenes. It's like do the ma- like do the work for me, mm-hmm. but not in any kind of artistic way. Just kind of in a lazy way, yeah. which sucks. However, it's still really pretty, and I still enjoyed reading this. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty book. I mean, you cannot knock the art mm-hmm. at all. I don't think me myself, um, even though I like the art, I don't think it does a great. I don't think it does a great job of setting up the place where we are, mm-hmm. but I think that it also may be, like you said, Frank Miller's uh, storytelling or, or outline that he probably just gave the artist and said, go whale, um, and I'll make it work. Um, and 
I also feel like the only reason this this even exists is so that we can get this admittedly extra dope um Batman or Batwoman concept cuz the that Batwoman is beast. Gary, no, Gary I, Kelly is amazing. Gary Kelly, Gary is, Kelly is to be beast. Yeah. Like even without the mask, in the mask, she she is beast throughout this thing. I I like it. Um but other than that, you're right, JD. I the the how the balloons work, especially later on as as it builds, I lost track of who was talking. Like early on, I was kind of able to keep track, but then it just because you're leaping through time and space and all over, and the and the Joker is ham fisted into this stupid thing. In in one part of the book, they have different colored text boxes that are blue. Right, and I think it's supposed to be. Laura, is that her name? Lara. Lara. I think. I think, but it kind of matches with the other text boxes. So right. it's like, was and, this just a earlier, style choice? or? And earlier in the book, when she is talking, I believe, in text boxes, they're not blue. Nope. So you don't, don't have any connective tissue letting you know, like, oh, the blue boxes are Lara. So it, it that just, for that... I just couldn't get behind the book. It's pretty. I would love to see it, like you know, just the pages. Does but. anybody remember? So I, I, I think I finished reading Dark Knight Three. I still have all the issues, just chilling on my shelf. I, I want to go I, back to it. I know. I, I don't remember it. it. You know, that's that's it's, good. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I well, I, like it has. It sets up this shit. I like. Well, I don't. It, it doesn't really set it up. I mean, I guess because Lara is a character in there. I guess it sets it up. I think the the biggest thing that I remember from it is that there's a new Joker who is um, Tim Drake. So that who, oh really? So that's who Joker is. Well, here's the thing: when Joker showed up in this, I was like, oh, they brought back the Joker. That's fucking weird. He broke his own neck. That's strange. How did he get here? And then after some like digging around in my the old brain case, I was like, oh wait, wasn't there a thing where one of the Robins became the Joker? But that, I thought that was Dark Knight Two. That was. Yeah, it was Dark, Dark Knight, Knight 3. Too, but, he's, but he's in Dark Knight 3, too. Yeah, he's my, in it, but Dark Knight 3, how the hell does that even end? Isn't it something with, like, Kryptonians? Oh, the whole thing was about Kryptonians, yeah. Yeah, but I remember it was about I the should... bottled city of Kandor, and it turns yeah. out there was, like, a fascist regime within that. They were a terrorist cell. Yeah, right. yeah but the yeah. Joker is in there, too. I seem to, I'm pretty well, sure he's, I remember he's, they did a ugly face. They did a one-shot with John Romita right. about the Joker in the middle of the series, but he's yeah. not a part of the story? That was a prequel to Dark Knight Returns. Oh, so that was the last Joker story that before the, the new Joker, Joker showed up. That was Tim Drake. Right, I need you. to read all this shit again. Do you? I really don't. But I. You really don't. Don't do it to yourself. If you ever want to have arguments with people about why it works or doesn't work, you should actually read it. <laughs> I yeah. suppose. I don't need to have arguments. I don't. I got my well, opinion. I, yeah, on how, about, how about defense it? Like okay. defend your, your your perspective. Yeah, but you don't really. It's need the to. same reason why I don't block a lot of people on my Facebook feed because I want to know how dumb they are. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm trying to Google because here's the thing: we're talking about the lettering here quite a bit, yeah. and I wanted to see if it was the same letterer as uh, the Master Race and Superman Year One. Oh, but I'm having trouble this, finding that. John I don't think Workman it's the same letter as the Master Race. You got it on the sh- or it's on the shelf right there. Yeah, that does, that decidedly looks different than the John Master Workman Race. and Darren Bennett are the letters for this. And then the letter for here for let, Superman Year One, John Workman, same letterer. Because I was like, he's a good this, letterer. This like, great letterer. See, yeah, all well, time. Th- no, what I'm saying is, this means that this is 
it might be John Workman's style, um, because or it has to be uh, Frank Miller telling him make it I confusing. Mean, I think Frank Miller telling him to make it confusing because it even in the tense that it's written within the word boxes in Superman Year One was confusing as hell. Yeah. So just, like it changed um, it changed POV like four times within the same page. But as a as a competent letterer, you, how did he not go? Hey Frank, what is should Howard's? Who's talking here? I mean, and Frank, as a weird auteur who's eighty-five, is probably just like it's fine. Just do just it. Do it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't like to speculate about these things, but I am curious about the reasoning. Like, why would you make it? I would less assume it's. Uh, um, Workman has been around forever. I would assume it's Frank Miller's choice. All right. Yeah. yeah you, serve the, you serve the storyteller, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, especially if the storyteller is Frank Miller. Like, sadly, you, you saying serving the storyteller does not serve the story. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Dying is easy number one. Joe Hill and Martin Simmons, the debut of an all-new creation by Joe Hill and Martin Simmons, meet Sid Shit Talk Holmes, a disgraced ex-cop turned bitter stand-up comic turned possible felon. Uh, Carl Dixon is on the verge of comedy superstardom, and he got there the dirty way by stealing jokes. He's got a killer act, an ugly past, and more enemies than punchlines. So when someone asks Sid Holmes how much it would cost to have Dixon killed, Sid isn't surprised in the slightest. He's already got a figure in mind, dot, dot, dot. You said you liked this, Noel. I did like it. Tell us why. Um, I liked the... I liked the opening of the book. Um, a successfully failed um, stand-up bit. Uh, your main character, who's not likable, pretty deplorable, but you could tell he's very smart, goes through harsh jokes in nine-panel grids, and they. I, I, I'm a sucker for dialogue, so I just kind of like got in with the pattern of the rhythm of, of the, the boxes, and then the, the art was just kind of working with it. The jokes were actual jokes, mm-hmm. but they were dark, mm-hmm. so you don't want to laugh. And it was just it was just pretty effective for me. And then when it when it starts to widen out, like the punchline of this whole sequence of him saying when it does matter, it's harsh, and then you get like a small peek of his previous life. Mm-hmm. I was like, Okay, I'm in. This is like a great cold open mm-hmm. and then we just rolled from there. Everything that happened after that was just goodwill based off of how much I enjoyed the opening. Yeah, I I agree because I like the opening too. Um it felt like a, it, it felt like a movie, which I mm-hmm. think is intentional, uh, that you're walking in there and you're seeing this, this stand-up up there. And it actually sounds, it sounds like what you would hear if you go to the comedy clubs today. That sounds like a, a comedian on stage. And then as the story opens up, I don't think the story does goes any place particularly new. Nope. You know, you kind of see where it's going, see where this is headed. But because you've been sucked in to this like this this comedy noir mm-hmm. you're like alright I'm with the ride like if this was a movie this was a Netflix film I would I would pause it and go make myself some fries and come back and finish it mm-hmm. so I would probably finish this book I, I enjoyed it I'm glad um, I, I, reading the the in, the intro right the, the stand up bit I was maybe too concerned with is this supposed to be funny because it's not and so is Joe Hill bad at writing a comedian uh, or is the comedian supposed to be bad? Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to find what the writer was trying to tell me with this stand up. Is this something I'm supposed to be uh, supporting or is he an asshole? You know what I mean? I was having trouble with the message, yeah. uh, the quote unquote message. Um, and uh, 
it's basically we spend the entire time in this comedy club having dialogue that I didn't find particularly interesting. And then there's, you know, oh, until we get to, oh, shit. Yeah, until we get to the woman who confronts him off stage. That's mm. when I sort of was like, oh, here we go. Here's a little bit of something. Um, and, I, and I felt the emotional resonance of that sequence. Um, but he's also such a dick to her. A bit. Yeah. But, I mean, for pretty good reason. So, yeah. like, so in, in response to um, are the jokes supposed to be funny, mm. I think they make a point later. I also wonder, because they're, they're constructed as very good jokes with punchlines, mm. but he's not a funny man. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's also, like, noted later in the book that he's good at this, mm. but he's not good at this like oh. it's like it, he he seems to use uh comedy as a well stand-up comedy as a therapy yeah as an outlet but he's not making people laugh because right. he's not well that's funny. why the one guy steals his bit he's like mm -hmm. you know you wrote the words but i've got the They're delivery good out of, of my mouth yeah. yeah yeah um which is a problem for which him yeah. but but the 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 confrontation that has to do with his days as a cop I love that scene. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I, I like that it, yeah. scene a lot. Yeah. Um, basically, I guess uh, this woman's sister murdered her own children. No, this. Well, yes, uh, allegedly. So, like this, he joked enough about somebody. Uh, essentially, he like bullied somebody so much that they killed themselves. Mm -hmm. But we come to find out that he bullied them so much because they got away with potentially murdering their kids. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because the coroner and blah, blah, like they got off on illegality and he was just, it was probably had to do with an old case and then he turned it into jokes and. Yeah, because that's the thing. I don't know if we've mentioned that he was an, he was a cop. Yeah. So, yeah, an outside and, cop. and you know, after dealing with that for, it seems like a long time and you got to imagine that the mire that you'll have to walk in as a, as a homicide cop, mm. um, that's why he turned to comedy as a therapy to kind of yeah. like exercise some of these demons. I feel like it's got potential to go somewhere more interesting. Um, but this, and I listen, I say this as a Joe Hill fan. I love me some Joe Hill. And um, I was really excited for this, but this one hasn't grabbed me yet. Also, Sid, Shit Talk Holmes. I just, yeah. He just I, love, I don't know. Um, I dug it. I dug it. And also, um, maybe you know what it is. Maybe it's because I don't like this type of comedian. Someone who gets talk, called Shit Talk. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, I the, um, you a carrot top guy? So you get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, okay. I, I mean, so I, I love. I, 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 for a while, I followed comedians. I was friends with a good handful of them. Um, this is, and I've fallen down YouTube videos of like comedian sets and and behind the scenes shit. This is Dane Cook. The the Carl Dixon characters. I, I think oh, it's supposed yeah. to be Dane oh, Cook, yeah. not the cop, the thief. Oh yeah, the thief. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. joke thief who. And also to this, and to a degree, this seems Sid to be dated. Mark Maron, yeah, uh, oh. Mark Maron, or a, or a, um, like a Mitch Hedberg, mm -hmm. or a, just a very acerbic, well, Mitch standoffish one-liners, right? Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say of a storyteller. Say he wasn't as big as a storyteller as Mark was. Actually, yeah. you're right. It is a bit of a Mark Maron. Yeah. Maybe even a, a touch of Louis C.K. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Going yeah, real I mean, dark and then pulling them back. Yep. Going real dark and then yep. pulling them back. You know, we've had this conversation on the show before where if this was anybody else writing it, I would be like, nah, I'm good. But because it's Joe Hill, that he's got the mileage, I guess, that would mm -hmm. 
you know, make me go, oh, maybe I'll, you know, I'll keep, I'll check it out. Well, that's um, why Joe probably does something like this, to stretch his legs and mm-hmm. hope that his fans will go with him. What do you guys think of the art? I don't think the art serves the story that well myself. It's not bad art, but it's not the art that I would have preferred for this story. I think that's what I like the best about it. I think the art perfectly serves the story. It really puts me into that dive bar. Everything's real seedy and gross. Neon hued. Um, it feels a little bit psych- like Sienkiewicz by way of um, Rod Rice or um, Phil Noto. Mm. I definitely see the Noto. Yeah. I'm not a Noto fan, so. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Is it time for Thunder Rounds? Thunder, Thunder Rounds. <laughs> So, no, what's, a, what's a thunder round? And yet we still didn't um, get as low as Brian. Yeah, thunder he's round. so good. Uh, a thunder round is JD's favorite part of the show. It kind of is, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is a quick 60-second review where we talk about a book and are beholden to a timer. So, Noel, you're up first with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 100 by Kevin Eastman, Bobby Kernow, and Tom Waltz on writing duties. And Tom, or I'm sorry, Dave Wachter and Michael Dialinus. Yeah, sure. On art. You got I, 60 I, seconds on the clock. Oh, I lost it. I pressed the wrong button. Here we go. Hold on. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Um, I jumped on this book maybe four or five or five or six issues ago when I heard uh, all the hype, so I wanted to kind of see what it was. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping back into, like, some licensed property comics that have been better lately, and um, this is just a bucket of weird and fun. Like, this is a very complicated complex book for the turtles um i don't even want to go into all this stuff but like the main thing that happened here is they're they're trying to do like a paradigm shift for the team so there's an ex there's a a new turtle a female turtle and um through all the machinations of the bad guys shredder's body was being used to resurrect a giant dragon that was going to destroy everything so splinter went into the afterlife grabbed uh Shredder, who was there living in peace with his wife, and decided to switch places with him to expel the big demon. So now Splinter is dead, enjoying the afterlife with his wife, and Shredder is now kind of with, like a peaceful Shredder. Around. Is with the turtles. <laughs> every time, every time. Uh, this is crazy. Yeah, it sounds good. I haven't read the turtles since the first four m- issues of the mini that originally happened. I never did. Um, it's, it's, I've never read it. It actually, you know, it's been you know old school comics where you're supposed to just be able to jump in and figure it out. Yeah, right. It it this is such a complex and complicated book for no reason other than there's like 18 warring factions in the mm-hmm. city, but it's been almost fun just like jumping in and like oh well that's connected to that and oh, okay. oh that's kind of cool. Like, I did watch the toys that made us episode of oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja one, Turtles. Though. Yeah. Yeah. That actually reconnected the two creators, Eastman and Laird. Oh, really? Oh, they, they, had been, they had fallen off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah actually, yeah. 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 Or, like, they had a, like, a split up. Yep. The big news at the end of this is that they're reteaming for the oh. first time in, like, 30 years. That's awesome. For... Oh, there's Krang. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a thing. Spoiler. Um, um, you mentioned that that was, a, a, like, a licensed property. But the thing is, is that's not really a licensed property because it was first a comic book. You're right. You're absolutely right. But I was curious, has there ever been a truly licensed comic that you found yourself, oh, wow, I really like this? G.I. Joe Cobra. G- or G.I. Joe American Hero. Great American Hero, whatever it's called. Uh, the original I never, 80s Marv Wolfman. Marv Wolfman? Uh, it's Hama. Oh, Larry yeah, Hama. Thank you, Larry I never Hama. read that, but I've heard oh, that it's amazing. Oh, my God. Um, but... 
Uh, I don't know, maybe like 10 or 15 years ago, I tried G.I. Joe Cobra by Costa. Was, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, uh, that just was great. A, about Chuckles, and yeah. it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then every once Chuckles in a while, I'll, I'll dip my toe back in to like, because sometimes they're, they're super hit or miss. Sometimes they're amazing, and then sometimes it's just like, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a toy grab. Yeah, like the Transformers. I've never tried those comics, I but uh, I still I still will sample GI Joe comics depending on the the art team. The yeah. the most recent was kind of fun. Um, I don't know. It's it's not my wheelhouse, but you know what? I'm very impressed by uh, creative teams that could knock it out of the park while inside of a uh, sandbox, a very specific mm. sandbox. Mm. You know, like it's it's almost a special kind of victory when you could take very familiar tropes and tools but still surprise. And I, I just dig the hell out of that. So, and, and you can only really find that in licensed products for the most part. Buffy. Yeah. I also liked a lot of Buffy. Yeah, Buffy. I, Peaks I am, and valleys, but there's been times where I'd be like, oh, I'm all in on this Buffy book, and then I'll kind of like fade out. Yeah. All right, yeah. so you ready? I'm ready for my Thunder Round. Which is? Thunder Round. Uh, Dollhouse Family Number Two by M. R. Carey, previously Mike Carey, and Peter Gross on art. All right, you ready? And go. All right, so we read the first one uh, last month, and I think I, at least I enjoyed it. And so uh, Alice, uh, this little girl who lives in the '80s, has been kind of she's got a mystical dollhouse, and she goes down and she spends time with a family down there, and clearly they're not all they seem to be. And there's a dark room in the dollhouse, and there's a spirit in there that says, "Hey, you're." Uh, dad sucks let me take care of him for you and she goes nah dog I'm gonna get out there I'm gonna beat him to death with a hammer because otherwise uh, you'll have something on me I guess and so uh, I think she knows that she'll be trapped in the dollhouse so she murders her dad this is the episode where uh, it's all blamed on the mom the mom goes to prison the mom dies Uh, the little girl goes to an orphanage and gets abused by other orphans and uh, we also get some backstory as to who is in the dollhouse Um, it's a very good uh, I don't know if it's psychological but it's a good horror book uh, feels very Joe Hill with lock and key and stuff like that. Um, I'm really enjoying. End it. of round. Oh. That was pretty good. I got it yeah, all out. Yeah, he got it in there. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to Far Sector Number Two by N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell. Rookie Green Lantern Sojourner Joe Moline's investigation of the first murder in 500 years hits a snag when the murderer is murdered. Whatever's going on, it's something to do with switch off. A highly illegal genetic cocktail that restores dangerous feelings to the emotionless citizens of the city enduring dot dot dot. I love this book. I think this is my favorite Green Lantern that I've read in quite a while. Um, what did you think? Uh, well, I mean, it's not my favorite Green Lantern I've read in quite a while. That would be Green Lantern Earth One, but by Gabriel Hardman, and which I have not, not yet Co- read. Oh, it's so good. Um, uh, but this is fun. This is really fun. It's the you know what. Um, it's more of the same from the first issue. It's 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 pretty dense. It's a li- it's pretty complex. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn a lot, but because how successful the art is, how successful mm. the layouts are, it's God just it's fun to learn as opposed to an info dump. Yeah. If I was reading this in any other format, I'd probably lose steam by now. Mm-hmm. Tons of different names and species and how they function and how they function with each other and their histories. Without the aid of Jamal Campbell's art, I don't know if this would be as successful. It's so good. It's so good. It's, there have been times where I just I flip back. Yeah, me too. Just be like, I'm gonna look at that page again. I'll yeah. look at this. The the page where she lifts off for the first time, 
I was just like, oh. And then uh, the construct she created, this whole chase sequence at the very beginning, the construct she creates to just move uh-huh. the move the the place around, and then the the just the quarter panel of her lifting off for the first time, and the green trail chasing yeah. her up, and her fear of flying. This is just, just really good. She's she's a great character. I like uh, what's happening with this world. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very interesting world, and I agree with you. I'm currently reading a novel called The Left Hand of Darkness. is a 60s sci-fi novel, and without I, I feel like I would enjoy that more as a comic book. Uh, I need the visuals in order to keep things straight because mm-hmm. there's so many names, there's so many places, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Jamal Campbell does an excellent job here of... Uh, keeping track of all that for me. Yeah, there was visually like tone wise. There was a there was an about halfway through the book, and this kind of happened in the first issue too. Uh, in regards to tone, it started to feel a little too YA mm. for what I usually read, mm. but it wasn't like to any detriment. So when you start to get into the names of things and and like of the quivering winds and blah blah, blah and then like um, the flirty stuff, it started to feel it started to feel like YA. Yeah, like you know. Through aliens and monsters, we will learn to love each other. I, it, it just is that um, YA or is that just Star Trek? It usually is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like the idea, of, the idea of like a, a star-crossed romance gotcha. through vampires or gotcha. zombies or I get you, it, I get you. like it, it just did um, the tone of it. Yeah, but sure. it wasn't anything that like deterred completely because everything that's happening is still enjoyable. That's still funny. I didn't get it. YA at all. I just got I mean, like a little bit. Um, like a whodunit mystery kind of. See, I, I I kind of agree with him. I, yeah. I, him being no. No. Yes. Uh, I felt like you know, oh, it's kind of like cool detective story, and then it did kind of shift a little bit, and it did feel like like that detective stories feels like okay, you're challenging me to keep up with all of the 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 verbiage and this world that you've created that you've set me in, and this means that, and I know what you're talking about when you're talking about this drug and everything like that and then when you get to the relationship it pulls it back it pulls back a little bit um and does sound a, a little ya but you're also talking about emotions and emotions maybe mm-hmm. aren't as deep into the world building mm-hmm. there so i was with it i love the art i love the character the designs um i love that ring Mm-hmm. I want that Green Lantern ring. It's ornate and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the I like that like this is the most original Green Lantern like look mm-hmm. design since Guy, Guy Gardner. Gardner. So that's what I liked about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, like she's her own Green Lantern. I could be out here in this far far sector. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look like myself, you know what I mean. So, I I dug it. Um, I really I really dig it. I do feel myself that it would read a little bit better as a collected piece yeah. as opposed to like piecemeal. This like does feel like issue. an OGN. Yeah. yeah, a lot more than than issues. Yeah. Uh, and what did you guys think about the dance sequence at the uh, in the the back half? It was drawn beautifully. It's yeah. drawn beautifully, uh, but I thought, who? It's weird. This took a little bit of a turn. It's some of the some of that like uh, slightly too cute stuff that reads better maybe than is reads inserted than into his story. It just made it feel a little bit, just a little too cute. I hear you. Know, you. Okay. and maybe that's where I was kind of, like, why is the only way that I can kind of describe it? Like it just mm-hmm. feels almost like out of place, but in a cute way. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, well until you find out he's high as fuck. Oh, and you know, that's great. But did you need a double page splash of them dancing? 
and looking beautiful. like they're re- really enjoying themselves. Doing yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. And to be fair, until y'all told me, you know, if I know I'm buying a book under the uh, young animal imprint. I'm thinking YA. Oh, shit, I like, said YA. Young literally. Animal. <laughs> oh, ah, I never got that. Boom, 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 boom. Also, uh, within the story, the context of the story, though, I feel like this is a woman who is far off from her planet Earth at the very far sector mm-hmm. of the universe mm-hmm. in a place that has no emotion and nothing really going on. Everything's a utopia, but there's no emotion. And this is a woman who is, you know, she's human, so she's fully capable of having emotions and she's been starved uh of that uh maybe outlet so far so, so that's she what the has dancing this gives her. the dancing is like oh i'm actually having fun and we're we're connecting I, emotionally um it all makes sense it yeah. all makes sense and like uh, like written out on paper and it would be exactly how things should go in this story mm-hmm. the tone of it just felt a little skewed a little younger than what i you know i say this but we're going to like talk about Superman next. Excuse me, a little younger than what I usually read. I understand that it's weird. It's ironic. It's just, it's not, it just struck me in the moment, but it didn't deter me from enjoying the rest of the book. I, what did you guys think of like, so they, we got a little bit more into the, what's this race called? The nah, folly or? Yeah, don't ask me. I just read the. Well, one's fin, called the nah, the, right? The, yeah, the nah, nah, the nah is the cool fin flyers. Yeah. Uh, and the other ones are the plant-based ones that, Essentially, they're all covered up because they're just like walking Venus flytraps. Yeah, who only eat sentient things. The catopoly. Catopoly. The catopoly. Yeah. yeah, the concept of it, I dig. It's yeah, insane. It's this yeah. is great. Like we uh, apparently, they just used to eat each other, mm-hmm. um, and that's the most intimate relationship you can have with somebody because they're you're, they are which is full of you. Or you, they, right? They, you're you are full, full of, them. of them. You're full of them. And yeah, yeah. The, the most, the ultimate um, sign of respect is to say that they smell. You smell delicious. Yeah. But also, I want to eat you. Yeah. yeah. So yes. you know. Yeah. But now we ask permission. It, it's it, the, as far as uh, menacing and or if they end up being the bad guys go. I think it's a really cool introduction. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I think it's great. Yeah, it's great. Good book. Red Mother Number One by Jeremy Hahn on uh, the writing chores and Danny Luckert on art. After losing her eye and the man she loves in a brutal mugging, Daisy McDonald is left trying to put the pieces of her life back together. Just when she begins to think she can heal, move on, she begins to see strange things through her new prosthetic eye. And the Red Mother sees her in return. So we've seen this story. I don't know. I've seen this story a bunch. Uh, there was one with Jeff Leahy, I think, where like, oh, he gets a, someone else's body arm parts, and it starts dude. murdering people. Or body parts. And uh, so we've we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. Um, I even saw one recently where someone got new eyes and that started to fuck them up. See ghosts. It's called the eye. Uh, but it's it's a. I don't think it has anything to do with the prosthetic eye. It's whatever shot her eyeball out. Oh. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the prosthetic that they built. It's it's the fact that because she started to get these like weird red visions and headaches in the hospital, and then, or uh, the headaches in the hospital, and then they started drugging her, and it's every time that she's not drugged, she gets these weird red senses. Yeah, uh, or sees everything in red, and I, I assume she could see death or some sort of specter of death. But I don't think it has anything to do with the actual prosthetic. Okay. I'm curious. 
Yeah. I'm curious to know what the answer is. And the art is gorgeous. Yeah, this is a really pretty book. I, I, I don't typically enjoy horror comics that much which we keep talking about i know (laughs) well i feel like i have to reiterate it because like i love horror but when it comes to like this medium it takes a bit to kind of keep me it's it's difficult like Mm -hmm. sure we get you we'll we'll amp you up and then wait a month and then we'll amp you up and then wait a month i'd rather read it in a chunk but the way that this was kind of laid out which may not be for further issues but the way that this is laid out literally just kind of going with her from from a incident through recovery was intriguing yeah like i was just kind of into it this, the, the majority of it does not feel like a horror at book. all right right it just feels like a post-op mm-hmm. like, like it, a tragic a tragic kind of event sure yeah, and but. and the the horror elements just start sneaking in to the point where at the very end you see this really wicked looking specter that's approaching her and then all of a sudden her prosthetic the the cavity where her prosthetic is yeah. starts to bleed. Yeah, yeah. So Which, it, it's like the best horror. It, it's slowly ratcheting up. Yeah. Tension is growing. I I don't know if it's going to be as successful in further issues like this kind of pace. Mm-hmm. If they can you know repeat mm-hmm. it, yeah. but I really like this first issue. Yeah, yeah. and it, you're right. The art is absolutely gorgeous. This is a a gorgeous piece of work right here, man. Um, there's not the character designs like I was in on her. It, um, this right here. Yeah, the, 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 the nose pointing out uh, the picture where you first see she lifts up her eye patch. You see the stitched up eye um, and that face, that face, like the emotion on that face as she's looking at her eye because, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's real. That's her that's her life now. Um, and I feel like I'm in the world. I feel like I'm in the hospital. You feel like real, real people. This is um, this is good stuff. I, too, am like, no, not a horror comic book fan at all but this was uh this was pretty dope this is good stuff the facial acting is very good mm-hmm. yeah it's almost it's uh, it's um some of the best facial acting i've seen since uh kevin mcguire kevin mcguire who saint saucy hates there's a whole thing on facebook about him hating i'm like you nuts is this a is is this an ongoing or is this a mini like another it's, another thing with horror comics it's like it's got to be a mini I, they have to I be agree minis. with you yeah, like, horror's got to be a mini. It can't be ongoing. You know, I drop off of things like Walking Dead after yep. too long. There could be a sequel later on, but yeah. just it's it's got to be it's got to have a three acts. It can't be yeah. perpetual storytelling or perpetual second act like yeah. superhero comics or action comics. But can. you say that, but wasn't Preacher horror? It had an no. end. I mean, sure. There I mean, was it horror. ended. There was but stuff I mean, in it, there. It went on for like I would not 60 call issues. that a sixty issues. Is not is that a, a horror comic? Preacher. Uh, it's, got, it's got spiritual elements and horror. Tropes, yeah. Man, right. I think you would say that was horror. I was a western. It was a horror the, western. The, the, yeah. Wasn't sci-fi. It was a wasn't horror action. Western John Wayne wasn't action in that. romance. Are you what? Have you read the book? Romance it is a horror. I read the a, first trail. The, nah, get the get out of here till you read all sixty issues. It's a horror <laughs> western. It's a nice zone you made. Well, you said horror <laughs> first. You led with horror. Well, that's just because of the way the words flow. It's a western first. It's yeah. a romance second. A western first. Yes. Preacher. Yes, that's yeah. the whole point of him writing it. Is he wanted to write a, uh, like a modern western? Uh, okay. <laughs> I, it, the the whole heaven and hell aspects do lend to horror. Also, what happens to most of the characters in it's Preacher? Pretty it's horrific. Yes, right. it's horror. Uh, it's horror first. But I would say, uh, well, I mean, it's it's I think it's equal parts western and horror with romance as an umbrella on top of it because it is. It's about relationships. It's, a, it's about, relationships it's about and romance. It's about love. It's about love. It's about our space. Love, love of heart. <laughs> <laughs> you 
bitch. <laughs> Got me. All right. Uh, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Teen Titans by Kyle Higgins and Tom Rainey. The Dark Multiverse reimagines one of the most renowned stories in comic book history, the Judas Contract. In this shocking tale, Tara's betrayal starts not with the Teen Titans, but with Deathstroke himself. Noel, what'd you think? Uh, I mean, real quick, this was... Please. <laughs> um, I have been enjoy. It's been I've been enjoying most of these Dark Multiverse books. Uh, there's like two of them that were. This one and another one were not very great, but the other ones were good. So I guess what is that? I think there's been five. Yeah. So three out of five is not terrible. That's true. I never read Judas Contract, but you're aware of it. Like it's one of those. It's wow. one of those seminal storylines that you're just aware of because they, they constantly reference it, <laughs> and they constantly like retrope it. Even like last year, there was a. Judas something or another Judas yeah, something. Was. Yeah, um, But I, I know about Tara and her whole thing. The only thing I found interesting here is that instead of her betraying based off of Deathstroke, um, it was literally just Dick Grayson pulling her aside and giving her a pep talk Yeah, yeah. that made her spiral and murder Everyone, <laughs> him reaching out. This, which was so weird, but kind of funny. Like it was, it was. Um, it's like watching a, it's like watching a terrible B movie. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I'm gonna gain from this. There's, no. I know this is stupid, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna watch it to the very end to see <laughs> how many people are murdered in how many fun ways. So that's what I got out of this book. See, I'm with you on that <laughs> because, all right, I see where this is going. And it is kind of like funny that, you know, him reaching out is what turns her. Um, the interesting one of the interesting parts for me in this book was that the beginning where you see uh, Dick Grayson and Wally West quitting the, the Teen Titans. I believe that is almost beat for beat how it happened in the Teen Titans book. As re- as drawn by George Perez, mm-hmm. so I think that the artist here is actually like um, like mocking those pages there up until a point until you know to the worm turns, um, but you're along for the ride. It's like okay, she's gonna go ham. Let's see what she does, mm-hmm. and let's see you know how she just you know lays waste to everyone. What's the what is the lesson from this? Okay, that's just, that's stupid. There's no lesson, but what does it say? <laughs> That in our version of the universe or events, she was thwarted uh, because she was bad Mm -hmm. um, and less collateral damage. But in this version of events, she's encouraged Mm -hmm. and destroys ten times more and kills everything. And kills everything. So so be careful who you encourage. That's right. (laughs) That Hold absolutely- all your accolades back. I don't care if it feels like it's right in the moment. Dick Grayson is wrong. Yes. Dick Grayson's the real villain here. Because <laughs> he's so goddamn nice. <laughs> Let's talk about the art. I want to talk about the art for a second. Um, the ages of the age of Robin oh. changes from panel to panel. Dude. Whoa. So he looks like a baby here, but then On the like next page, three, he yeah. looks like a 45-year-old man. In a Robin costume, so it just looks weird. He looks like a 45-year-old man that's been in a boxing ring a little bit because his nose is, like, smushed up on his face. (laughs) 
Um, and his head is, he looks like a weeble wobble because their heads are like massively large. And then there's a scene, then there's a scene where he actually goes to sit at Tara's bed. And what is happening with the perspective there? Because then he looks like, he looks like a 10 year old talking to, he's talking to Gandalf. Like, I don't know. Also, like, was her domino mask always like this? Uh, yeah, it looked look like it was stretched. Well, it looked, yeah, it looks like it was. It was hung dry, and it and the the <laughs> collar got real low. Like they put, they put the eye socket, the, yeah. the hanger through the eye holes. Yeah, like they just it. they they didn't dry it in the dryer. They just like let it hang dry and wet, so it just stretched out hard. To answer your question, no, it wasn't always like that. Uh, this is just bad art. It is uh, not good art at all. Um, but like you said, you want to see the fun deaths, and oh, they're there. With, well, there's two that are there. Like, I'll give you how she gets rid of uh, Deathstroke. That's all, like... All of Deathstroke. <laughs> yes. I love that. And then, surprise, surprise, Superman shows up. <laughs> Not from the original uh, Judas Contract, ladies and gentlemen. And she takes care of him, too. I dug that. But the... the the Teen Titans, who you're here for. You're here to see her get rid of the Teen Titans. It's like three panels. It's not even three panels. It's, it's one oh, it's big, a splash page, it's yeah. It's a splash page. And even then, it doesn't really tell the story. It just doesn't... No. It, it's not fun. It's Well, it's it's at this point, like, when it when it gets to that point of the book, it, first, she's Gaia now, which I actually thought was pretty cool. I actually like, like that. Tara is dirt. I'm not dirt. I'm mm -hmm. Earth. Right. I'm Gaia. Yeah, I I, like I, it was pretty cool. But at this... Again, like a B movie at this point in the plot, when the 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 the, the screw starts to turn, you're just excited to see death. Mm -hmm. Like you're just excited to see gore. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Let's see how she dispatches all these other people. And and be, by virtue of the way that these books have been going, this whole dark multiverse thing, they all have unhappy endings. Yeah. So, so you, you just know, know it's going to be effed up in some sort of way. Uh, but I, I don't, like, I've I'm enjoying talking about this more than I did reading it. You know what? We thought this was going to be a five, uh, like a five-second thunder round, and we've just gone on for about ten minutes about this book. Oh God, uh, life. So there you go. What is this? Okay, stepping away from the book because you you say you're in, enjoying this whole. Yeah, these these what ifs, these what ifs. This whole the 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 the, the conceit of it, this Tempest Fugonaut. Mm -hmm. And all this type of stuff. This sounds that sounds really stupid to me. I agree. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm I'm not invested in this cat, um, but I know that um, he's showing up in the Wally West book that mm -hmm. Brian and this cat love. Um, yeah. Because Wally West, actually, they don't love the book. They love Wally West. Ah. Uh, but I think they're just seeding the next events, right? The 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 fact that the dark multiverse is. Bleeding into our multiverse. I, I, but like I, I always thought that the multiverse was agnostic of emotion. <laughs> it just is. Some are bad, some are good. But apparently, you flip the multi the the multiverse map over, and there's another multiverse there's another, that's just like, all aha. nasty. Uh, yeah. Read read Dark Knight's Metal, kids. And <laughs> if you do, can you explain it to me? No, but really, can you explain it to me? Please, 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 please. Superman number 18 by Brian Michael Bendis and Ivan Rice. With Superman's family scattered across the galaxy, our hero must confront some of his biggest concerns about himself 
and his place in the galaxy. Legendary artist Ivan Rice joins writer Brian Michael Bendis as they introduce the biggest change in the Man of Steel's life ever. Uh, by ever, I'm assuming they mean in the past like couple, two years. Because uh, a couple years ago, didn't, didn't he already do this? So Superman reveals his identity to the world. Um, that's, I guess, important. But I think the real meat of this is the stuff leading up to the reveal and the reasoning why he does the reveal because I think that's the most important aspects of the story that I was most looking forward to hearing from Brian Michael Bendis because he's not a guy who doesn't do things without reason in my experience. Um, or if he does them without reason, he gives it good reason. Yeah. Um, and I think this worked really well. Uh, everything that Clark had to say resonated with me and by the end of it I was on board totally and I thought that's exactly Clark Kent. That's exactly Superman. That truth justice and the american way emphasis on truth and so um especially having to deal with his father who did all sorts of shady shit and it all stemmed from quote unquote one lie his father jorel yes oh i'm sorry not pocket thank you thank you um yeah everything in this made total sense to me and uh i'm on board my only question to you guys is how did they undo the last time Superman oh, revealed shit. his well, identity? He didn't reveal anything. S Lois. It was Lois that did it, and I don't remember. Okay, thank like, you. Like the um, first of all, I wasn't really reading it. That new Fifty Two Superman was. I, I disliked it. <laughs> I personally disliked Heavily. it. Um, it was. Didn't those two characters get absorbed into these characters after convergence or some bullshit? And sounds familiar. I don't sure. Know. I don't know how they resolved the fact that they said your clerk they put the genie back in the bottle and you didn't somehow know. yeah wasn't there was there a reboot since then i don't remember well, it was a rebirth uh you know what dr manhattan did it let's just say that sure yeah dr manhattan it's just it's a little frustrating it. that this just happened in very recent memory i'm gonna i'm gonna just forget that it just happened in recent memory because okay. that felt like a knee jerk without plan this feels like thought put into it especially yeah. the way that it's written yeah and it, it puts it puts the responsibility on Clark himself to do it, not to have his lie revealed. Mm -hmm. This makes much more sense to have him be like, oh, no, I need to come clean. That's much more Clark and Superman than, oh, someone found out my lie and told everybody. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this feels more, or at least this sits better, I think. What did you guys think? I'm well, I, I think, like, first of all, like, to me, just using the, the terminology come clean doesn't paint the right picture i think it's him just looking at things mm -hmm. looking at um where his life is and looking at who he is who he represents to the people in his life and him just realizing that you know i want to be what i stand up for mm -hmm. i want to be truthful mm -hmm. you know um and i love the the dialogue between him and adam strange where adam strange is is basically saying like like yeah okay i see originally mm -hmm. you kind of needed this yeah yeah but uh, um uh you're not really like who you like dude you've done all yeah. that work you've done yeah. everything that clark was there for is kind of you've gotten there you've gotten there dog yeah. there's no there's there's no no need for it now and um i i I found myself really liking this book. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I was a little kid. Every time I was turning the page, I was like, yep, all right. I, yep, all I right. I even liked how, because I never, me myself, I've never bought into, to me, it feels like it's kind of been um, 
you know, like, like you forced this quasi father son relationship that Clark Kent is supposed to have with Perry White. Mm. Like, I just never saw the close that closeness with yeah. them. It, I just never bought it. However, if you buy that Clark as an employee has a good re- relationship with Perry White. I enjoyed seeing him go to Perry and wanted to tell him in person. Mm-hmm. I actually, that felt very truthful yeah, for me. Yeah, this whole, this, uh, it's a four page, or no, three page? It's a two page spread, multiple panels, and and then another one page spread, dialogueless sequ- sequence of Clark, essentially Clark wants to, before telling the world, he wants to tell the people closest to him first, right. which is something I didn't really consider, but it's such a Clark thing to do, mm-hmm. or, or a, I guess just a Superman thing to do, the fact that he is not, he is, no matter how big his scope gets, he is not ignorant to, you know, those yeah. in front of him. Right. Like, he never thinks like his so big, he circle. never thinks so big that he isn't considering those next to him, right? Right. Um, which a lot of heroes can't attest to so he he goes about this kind of um this kind of like coming clean or truth tour to the people that are closest to him this this sequence of him getting to the office monitoring what's happening around using his x-ray vision to see into perry's office whether his heart rate is going high or like his heart rate's lowering so where are you at right now he knows when to (laughs) go in there and talk to him and it's so beautifully done in shadow. Clark just walks in. They're talking. You can't hear what he says. He opens up his shirt, and Perry jumps up from his seat, puts his hand out like it's okay. You can close. You can close your shirt, and then just hugs him. Mm-hmm. It struck me as um, I've I've seen videos of 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 teens coming out to their parents. Yeah. And the fear that they have of, I'm going to reveal my truth to you. And their parents respond with, with abject love and, and, and unconditional acceptance. Yeah. That's what this felt like. And it almost teared me up. Yeah. It was very simple. It's very subtle. It's, and it's very poignant. Like the, I almost feel like just by virtue of who Perry is, um, as a reporter as a boss, as a professional mentor, mm-hmm. that this is as close to Clark would have of being afraid to tell somebody and not knowing how they're going to react. Yeah. yeah, and I loved it. I loved this sequence. I love, and I I also love the little bit in here because he he eventually has his moment with Jimmy Olsen, which spoiler alert is kind of stolen from him. Yep. by Lois. But I like Lois keeping her own agency about that. Yeah. Like, no, I've known Jimmy longer than you. So, yeah, yeah. I told Jimmy. Yeah, I've been lying to Jimmy longer than you have. So that was right. my secret to tell him. Right. And so I loved. Get over it. Yeah. You know? And I, and I'm glad that they, like, so in all of the stuff that's been leading up to this, we have not seen in Lois's book or any of Superman's books the co- the conversation between Lois and Clark of him about to do this. Mm-hmm. And they finally kind of show you that. And she, of course she's on board. Yeah. Of course she's on board. She's like, yeah, dude, I don't even know why you still do it. I've been writing this, this story in my head since we met or since yeah. you told me. So I just, I really would like to publish it eventually. <laughs> yeah. It's best, best book of the month. I, this or, is, I'm, see, uh, the week, the week. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, it emotionally resonated with me, and every time Clark, you know, it was it was fun to watch him go through all of the reasons and then to uh, figure out why that reason doesn't really matter anymore, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then the Lex thing at the end. What's your be- What's the best thing about the Lex thing at the end? That he's embarrassed. <laughs> that he's yeah, like seeing all the other villains. Some of them like cracking up. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> How yeah. did you not know? Mm-hmm. This this speech at the end of how he gets to travel the world and see people discover themselves and rediscover themselves over and over again. And thank you for inspiring me. Yeah. This is fucking Superman. Yeah. This is everything that it's supposed to be. Did we already talk about how it's a coming out allegory? Uh, I kind of mentioned it with him talking to Perry. Like it yeah. reminded me of those videos that you sometimes see of teens like fearfully. Mm-hmm coming out to like their parents but their yeah. parents um responding with just unconditional acceptance yeah yeah just they're lucky them. yeah yeah um the, the, when it got me is that scene that you're, you're reading right there where he's like watching other people rediscover themselves um it, it felt a lot like you know a lot of my friends who come out as trans or or queer in, in any sort of regard and it's like they're sort of rediscovering um uh, themselves, yeah, yeah, uh, or or at least revealing themselves finally, and so that felt really beautiful. It wasn't until that kind of connection, so like more than halfway through reading it, you realize that it is it is an allegory for coming out. But um, at the onset of this, when you heard about the fact that they were going to reveal his, he was going to reveal his own identity, I started to get annoyed about. I like Clark Kent as a character. Mm-hmm. I like the things mm. he could do as Clark Kent. I enjoy, like, for me, Superman is. Clark Kent first because it's it's like nature versus nurture like you, you are not what you were born as you are what you choose you to raised. be how you were raised so like it, I was always very close to, to Clark Kent yeah. it didn't dawn on me and I ignorantly it didn't dawn on me that they are the same person and they could be the same person and mm. this is just a truer version of that like Clark Kent's not going to disappear is still here I'm curious to see how he Clark Kent Acts yeah, me too. Because Clark Kent What's was a put on. Well, he won't have glasses anymore. But and he like, will just he be would in always jeans. Be, he <laughs> would always be like, oh, gosh, Lois, I don't know. You know, he's definitely putting on a thing where he's like all shucksy. I bet he'll lately, still wear glasses. La- yeah. I, know, I think he'll, he won't wear glasses anymore. But l- lately he hasn't been the all shucksy. Yeah. Like they've kind of, they've kind of like peeled that back hard the last couple of years. Yeah. Like it's just unassuming with glasses, not clumsy. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Reeve at all. How much do you want to bet he's going to wear glasses? Oh, let's do a dollar bet. All right, dollar. I'll bet you a dollar that he does not wear glasses anymore. He's going to wear glasses. I think he will wear normal. He'll wear civvies, but he won't wear glasses. Well, what are civvies? Civilian clothes. He'll oh, wear like yeah, normal he'll, clothes. Yeah. But he's going to wear glasses. I often wondered that when I was a kid because Spider-Man would often be like, oh, I left my civvies left, you know, webbed up in a ball and someone stole them. And I'm like, what the fuck is a civvie? Civilian oh, clothes. civilian clothes. Yeah. No, yeah, I eventually got there, but... Yeah. Um, there was something else in here that I wanted to mention, but I completely forgot. This is just such a good book. It was great. I'm so so very happy with this. Turn I know of the events. internet is mad at it, but fuck it. I think it's great. No, this why is, are they mad at it? Because uh, because, because, because it just happened, and oh, Brian Michael. Because you know, there's a there's a well, section of the internet that just hates Brian Michael Bendis, and it doesn't matter what Brian Michael Bendis does, they're mad that he has done it. Um, and I get it. You know, everything he does is not a success. No, yeah. he's, there's been some missteps along the way. But I think that this is fun. And, of course, we all know, because this is how cyclical storytelling works, that eventually the genie will be put back in the bottle because of... You just proved it. You can't have... about it. Yeah. So, 
you know, they're upset that this thing is happening when we know for a fact that it's going to unhappen eventually. Okay. So, um, yeah. That, what is, yeah, so we're just not going to tell any more stories anymore because uh, it's going to get undone eventually? I don't know. Look, look, all you comic book fans and all of you wrestling fans, <laughs> I hate to, to spoil the story for you, but Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, and a lot of the Avengers will always be number one superheroes they will always fight dr doom and the joker and dark side and it'll be the best fight ever and you know what they'll always come back <laughs> just like just like rick flair and hulk hogan will always find some way for maybe only a day to have a championship belt strapped around their waist. Just like John Cena is always going to be there to give you the salute and The Rock will return once a year to <laughs> drop the rock bottom. It will always happen Get over it. Their medium's based off of fan service, and the only way to achieve fan service is to disappoint fans first, right? Exactly. Like you just you you keep giving treats, and then you pull them away, and then you give treats, and then you pull away, and then you give treats. <laughs> but but the cool thing about it is that like for some people, the treat is the is the is the bad thing. So like for some people, this is like yeah, do something new, and for others, it's this is the worst thing that could ever happen. You know what? The people that love this are going to be pissed when they take it away. And the people that hate this are going to be happy when they take it away. Yes. So it's just, it's all cyclical. Everyone, calm the fuck down. <laughs> just as long as they're telling a good story. And by all accounts, this is a great story. With fantastic art. Oh, yeah. Ivan Rice is just killing it. Ivan Rice has officially replaced John Byrne in my head as the Superman artist. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, he was the Green Lantern artist for a while. And he also did the Aquaman. Essentially, he was Jeff John's boy everywhere that he went with like a new run. Now I guess he belongs to Superman. Yeah, see, but you know what? To me, his Aquaman, who I liked. I haven't read that run yet. I have it ready. I I, I looked like the first one, and it looked interesting enough. But just I yeah. just can't care about Aquaman enough to buy it. <laughs> um, it was it was cool, and his Green Lantern were kind of cool. But to me, Ivan Rice's Superman feels like a wholly different face. I see similarities in his Green Lantern mm -hmm. and his Aquaman. And maybe, you know, admittedly those were, you know, a few years ago and maybe he's just grown as an artist. But his Superman looks like a different face and it distinctly looks like Superman. I think his, and also too, I think his style lends better to like the four color superhero relics, mm -hmm. you know, like with with his run during Green Lantern, it was a lot of the the Black Lantern stuff and a lot of like the darker and space. It's just right. it's just a much dimmer kind of. No matter how colorful the books were, it was still like almost a dimmer tone. Whereas right. this, same with the trench with the, yeah. I mean, Aquaman. This this idea of him in the in the sunlight is just so it lends it lends so well to like the square jawed depiction of Superman here. I I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, and I love it's it. Really I good. love his Superman S. With the little, um, and people won't won't get this, but like the little three circle um, things he does to make it look slightly metallic. That is yeah. that is um, classic Bob Layton, George Perez from the seventies and eighties. So I love that. Yeah, this is really good. I hope he can keep up with the monthlies. Or I think they're they're doing it to, like he 
these the Superman books are technically monthly, but because they're interchanging, it's like two a month. Right. I hope that he can keep up for a while, at least for this entire arc, because this this will be collected as something kind of seminal. I hope. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if it if it sticks the landing and actually does establish a new status quo for at least a couple decades, right? You know, like... You think it'll be a couple decades? Probably not, but it'd be cool if it was, like, 20 years. It would. would. You know, like, they kept kept Wolverine dead for 15 years. There was anagrams of it. About, for a while, right? Wasn't he dead for almost a decade? I'll look it up. Okay. At least a decade. Right. But, and there were, like, you know... They filled the void with, like, other things, but I you, you can keep... You can make changes in comic books that last at least a generation of readers. Well, yeah, at least a generation. Yeah, I mean, of readers. and I hope this lasts at least one or two. Yeah, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for a change that lasts as long as Wally West Flash. Yeah, X marks the X spot is our roundup of the Hickman X books uh, that started with the House of X and Powers of X series, Fallen Angels number three by Brian Hill and Simon Kudransky. Apoth approaches. Psylocke's past threatens her new team. Psylocke's past continues to haunt her as she molds her companions into a fighting force. But can they take on the children of Apoth? Again, don't like the art, but the story I'm enjoying. What did you think, Noel? We're going to blow through these, son. Um, I, it, you know, I'm, I, I've lost the thread of the story for the most part uh, because the art just keeps throwing me away. I don't know or care what's happening with, with um, uh, cable, um, some of the, the art's just so, it's so off-putting for me. Same. Um, it's hard to really track what's happening. I forgot from the last issue, the the facial acting looks honestly looked like synthetic dolls. I, I don't, I don't love it. Um, and then some of the stuff that's happening with Cable, it's the the book is so dark mm-hmm. and so kind of like shiny in a not appealing way that I can't even tell where he's standing, what he's doing, who he's shooting at. And then you've got like, uh, there's a, there's a page here where he gets stuck in the back of the neck with something and it's just repeated panels, Uh, but I don't know what's happening. Right. I don't like, I'm uh, before I was intrigued by the plot, despite the art. Now the art is just taking me out of the plot and I don't care anymore. Um, I'm still enjoying the story. I like the characters, but again, the art is, yeah. I look. Trust me, I saw that. He's showing me a panel of Psylocke. Um, She's got a baby face. I mean, literally a baby with yeah. long hair. Well, it's it's very off-putting. It's it's hard to follow. Um, I like this dude at the end. Is that the Apoch guy? Apoth guy? I think. Again. This is this is uh, flown to the to the last rung of the books I'm enjoying in the oh, Dawn definitely. of X. Definitely. Oh, like at sure. first it was at first uh, with those first issues of this and Excalibur they were kind of like jockeying for last place. Yeah. Excalibur has jumped up because oh, that sure. was going somewhere. Yep. This just gets further down the hole of unenjoyable. Also, uh, sometimes these interstitials work. That Hick- Hickman-esque interstitials, the white page with the black text, they do not work here. No, excerpts from the skulls of the exile. Two pages of this. No, what is known? I don't need it. What does it mean? Get out of here! I, I, like it has. It feels like it has no bearing on the actual story, too. Scrolls of the exile. I read this thing. I don't know what that refers to. Nope, at all. Nope. 
And you know what? The next book we talk about, X-Force, does something like this that's slightly egregious, but not nearly as bad in here. Like I, in, I didn't read the book. You should. Let's let's wait. You know what? Let's wait on air. You just want to read it? Just just sit just sit and read just it. Just sit and read it. No. We'll um, <laughs> and apparently this is all going to tie into all of this overclock um, and uh, apoth. All that stuff is about Psylocke. So I'm curious to see maybe what this all how this all ties into her. But right. it's losing me fast. Uh, is the if it's just the plot mechanics that you're you're hoping for? Yeah. Maybe read the Wikipedia page at this point because what? it's not an enjoyable process. Honestly, what I'm waiting for is the same thing that happened to almost every other X book is the change in artist. Uh, but I think Brian Hill is also leaving. Oh, is what? <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> okay. All right. Well, anyway. Um, what about New Mutants number three by Ed Brisson and Flavion? Flavion? Flaviano. Uh, the future comes knocking. With, while the original New Mutants are off in space, the rest of the youth of Krakoa begin, begin to make the future they want to live in. First up, Armor's outreach party seeking young mutants who have chosen not to come to Krakoa. Um, I like this book. Uh, but I've been liking this book the whole time. So, like, I like the, the first two issues of this was essentially um, Hickman with dry humor and making very high level jokes about s kids in space which was to me it was appealing but i could totally see like if you're not tuned into that kind of dry humor then it's not really going to click it's just like why is he saying that this is um remarkably different because it's not written by hickman it's actually written by ed brisson and i still liked it but it's it's the other half of that story so it's the it's the members of the new x-men or slash new mutants from later periods of right. the book and what they're doing on Krakoa and, you know, reaching out to the uh, those mutants that aren't on Krakoa as to why. So, like, I feel like this is going to be the book then. They're, they're, they're going to hand off plots right. between the two writers, which is great because I sometimes when there's co-authors, it's disjointed or... It's peaks and valleys. But if they kind of keep it separate where these two enjoyable things are happening, mm -hmm. I'm down. Yeah. Um, I didn't, like, give the book a full read, but I did give it a, a – started reading it, and I wasn't able to finish it. I was enjoying it. I was enjoying the, the back and forth. I was enjoying the character design. I was enjoying more, – more, more than anything, what I was enjoying was the art – and the the facial acting like we mentioned mm -hmm. before in um red mother the acting of the of the artwork and of the characters in here is like top notch like it really drew you in yeah this is the most emotive i've ever seen beak yeah which right? is an incredibly difficult character to make emotive he has no pupils mm -hmm. or no whites of his eyes just full pupils and, and a, beak. a beak and a beak. so how do you emote with that kind of like restrictions but he he does it here yeah he, he does um yeah, it's all body language, gesticulations. Yeah. And, and the, the wrinkles in work. his face that he can move, he moves. Mm -hmm. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, when this character was introduced in New X-Men by, like, Ethan Van Skyver, it was just grotesque. Right. There was no emotion. It yeah. was just a freak, you know? like. This is finally a New Mutants issue that I'm enjoying. Uh, I really don't... Because I don't care about space. I don't care about the... Um, the Sha'ar, and I don't care about those particular new mutants, the previous team. I like these new mutants. I like Beast, um, Beak, and um, Armor, and Glob. I just, these are characters that I enjoy more, um, mm -hmm. maybe because I have more um, yeah, this experience is... with them. 
But yeah, this is a lot more fun than I think the previous two issues for me personally. I hate that this guy's got a blonde beard, but you know, whatever. Yeah, that was a weird choice. <laughs> I'll give you that. I mean, does, he's got tattoos up and down and a blonde beard and blue hair. He's making it's a, choices in his life. It's a it's a look for um for somebody that violently dislikes mutants. <laughs> it's an odd choice. It is. It's he it screams I want attention. Maybe he's got mutant envy. Well, he's got my attention. <laughs> uh, this this was a fun book. I liked it, but I uh, unlike JD, I did like the previous two issues that dealt with the space I did stuff. So. Even I did though so. that shit's not in my wheelhouse normally, I still really dug it. Um, I'm curious though because this, unlike those two issues, I believe this is a different artist. Yeah, it is on this one. Yeah, um, that was Rod Reese. Right, and I like this art better. I like Rod like, Reese. I, I, no, I liked Rod Reese, but this this art just really. St- I think t- like so this uh, maybe maybe the whole point of this is that it is a tale of two books. So like the Rod Reese art um, was very reminiscent of the Sinkevich stuff. Yes, which is that team exclusively. Mm-hmm. And then this art is very reminiscent of the mid two thousands new X Men these characters. So it it's like two homage books mashed together. So, like, I, I don't dislike one or the other. I think they're different flavors. It now, makes me curious how it's going to fit collected. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, um, I thought I saw that they're, at least at first, they're collecting these books all together. So, like, Dawn really? of X, Volume 1, Dawn of X, Volume 2, in the reading order that is in the back of the... I don't know how I feel about that. Think about it as, like, anth- like if they're collecting them as anthology books as opposed to just New Mutants 1 through 6, uh, X-Force 1 through 6. Yeah, I don't know if I like that. I'm not a giant fan of it either. I hope it's not, I, maybe maybe it's just like a marketing ploy for now, but these should act as their own because as as for right now, the stories aren't merging. No, at all. and the distinctly different styles and tones, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing. The tone, the tonal shift, going back and forth between them. Can mm-hmm. you imagine reading? Can you imagine reading Fallen Angels and then following that up in your reading um, New Mutants or? It would be it would be whiplash. Yeah, yeah. I, even just the style is just whiplash. That's crazy. I don't know. Well, let's wrap it up with X Force number three by Benjamin Percy and Joshua Kassara. The best defense. Dot dot dot. Target all enemies of mutant kind. First, the new team strikes back against the humans who took one of their own. Then, with its orders established, the new X Force hits the ground running, taking on deadly threats, targeting mutant kinds. Rightful place in the world, dot, dot, dot. Um, this one I'm enjoying very much. I actually like this quite a bit. I think that the writing and the art are working um, very cohesively, uh, and it's really enjoyable. I like Domino. This fucked up. Uh, I like the assassins and the way the assassins work. I like that we did not keep this Professor Xavier bullshit going for too long. Like, oh, mm. we can bring back literally every mutant. There's no drama here. So I'm glad that that worked out. Uh, I like this giant um, flesh monster. It's so much fun. It's, it's like pretty gross. Um, yeah, this this is just a bucket of bucket of fun. I like this a lot. Uh, so hot take. Oh no, this might be tied for my favorite X book with Marauders now. Okay, yeah. I love this book. It's great. Or for second place, so it was like. This and X-Men are tied, and Marauders is, like, second. This okay. is great. Um, this feels like 
this is now starting to feel like my favorite run of X Force, mm. which was uh, Remender, Remender and Opinia. Yeah. Um, it's 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 gritty, it's mean, but it's also very engaging. Um, I really, really like it, like a lot. Like, I, and I love the small character moments. You know, like when they pull Domino out. Wolverine and Domino have a history, and yeah. he has a moment with her, like "You're okay," which is great. Like, mm -hmm. I love these little character moments. Also, too. So, one thing that I did not like about this book was the way that they used their interstitials, um, their little info dumps. They used them as story points. So this one, like one talked about what mm. happened with one of the bioengineered assassins. Uh -huh. There's no reason why we couldn't see that. Yeah. It just happens in text. And one a character is taken off the board in that text and you don't know why. Like so mm. I found myself wondering so Elixir was in critical condition after this assassin blew themselves up. We didn't see that. It yep. just happened. Um and then I made the connection that that's why Domino is probably still all nastified yeah. is because elixir is, is off the board so yeah. she's still got like the eyeball missing and stuff but why didn't we, see we her show later that? she it looks like she's on the mend it looks like they've done something to help her because well, it's, it's no longer like it's the kid omega stuff it's, it's the kid omega stuff still what's the kid omega stuff what is he that he um kid omega is like kind of creating a construct around her wounds to give her so it's that's why her eye is still glowing oh like it's this it's this kid omega stuff still because oh, elixir's off the board I see. but these are things that they told and not showed which is fine it's yeah. just it's something i hope that they don't do ongoing same with yeah. the cerebro sword yeah like magneto fashioned a sword out of the broken cerebro helmet as like an honor to xavier and now xavier has it over his mantle mm -hmm. and it's still hums with the the mechanic or the like all of this like flowery stuff that would yeah. be great if it was visualized but it's just three paragraphs in the middle of the book hmm. which is effective but didn't bother not... me here as much as it did in exactly the previous but book. i feel like in the previous one it was just too much and it didn't make any sense this yeah. made sense and i wish i saw it oh, i see like it worked but it's just yeah. like i hope they don't lean on this constantly for stuff mm -hmm. they can't fit in mm -hmm. yeah uh and xavier's back Yay! He's still creepy. Um, and I know I, I had forgotten that one of the, the the new laws of Krakoa is kill no man. Yep. And I was like, you you, you guys kill a lot of men. Well, they're they're the meat I, puppets. I forgot that. Um, that's true, right? They <laughs> yeah, were. I think they that... were. They're they're fake. They're grown in a lab, so they don't count. Yeah, these meat puppet dudes. I think Wolverine even says that. Like, I guess this doesn't count with the second law. But then, doesn't that mean? All of they are the same. They're well, they're also grown. All well, of, every time a mutant is reborn, he's grown. Well, that's the rule, though. Like it's not do no harm to mutants. It's do no harm to man because they it's can't. Just, well, be no. Redone. What I'm saying is, it's an interesting philosophical conundrum where you're saying these guys they're just plants. They're meat meat puppets. We're not though, even <laughs> though we're made almost the same way. We're made in a pressure cooker. Is this the? This seems to be the only book that is playing on the larger parts of House of X, Powers of Ten. Yeah. Like, the other ones are kind of doing their side story and just a little, mention it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But this one actually seems to be following those main plot threads. Mm -hmm. Which is cool. It's great. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Fallen Angels is still the bottom of the rung for me. Yep. But, like, New Mutants and Excalibur, which I wound, uh, originally decided I wasn't super into, have been slowly gaining my attention. Yeah, I think it's for me. It's from the top down. Um, it's it's like a it's like a 
three-way tie almost. The, the X-Force, X-Men, and Marauders just keep like jockeying for best position depending on that issue that week. Marauders is still my number one. That's I mean, like number one. Definitely. Issue number one was number one, but, but issue number three could have dropped it down, and then yeah. issue number three of X-Men, yeah. which was spectacular, dropped mm-hmm. it all back up. So it's just like this jockeying between the top three positions. I'm enjoying reading most of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, anything else before we split? Anyone? Anyone? Nothing I can think of. Well, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Spoiler Alert. Spoiler Alert! <laughs> I've been your host, Johnny Destructo. You can help out the show if you go to patreon.com slash johnnydestructo or coffee.com slash johnnydestructo. Please email us at info... Nope. At uh, cultspopgo at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JD's Hero Complex. You could tweet at us. You could go to Facebook and all that bullshit. You know. Noah, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on the social medias, uh, on Twitter at Mr. Bartocci, M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I. Or honestly, just hit us up on the Facebook page, because I, I usually will always look at that and comment and engage. Len? Hey, holler at a Tribble. You can find me on Black Tribbles. Too cool to be geeks, too cute to be nerds. We are Black Tribbles. We talk about anything and everything that is geeky to us and to you. Find Black Tribbles on all your social medias and everywhere that you find good podcasts. He's got that down. Mm, so like good. I'm stumbling that. and mumbling through all my stuff, and he's just like, bam, 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 nailed it. Next. Is it over time, or did you like spend time practicing it first? Over time. Over time. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk at you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is great.